Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. About the year 1400 BC, a shepherd sees this bush that's on fire and turns aside to look at it, and it becomes one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Today, I want us to look at this story and get lessons from Moses and the burning bush. Would you take out a Bible? Turn with me in the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 3. And before we begin, let's pray. Father, we're going to learn now from your word that you are a fire. You manifest yourself as a fire. And we need to know about the holiness of God, the fire of God today. So Lord, speak to us, open our ears, open our hearts, open my mouth, and God, teach us from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, which is also the same thing as Mount Sinai, where later Moses would get the Ten Commandments. So let me explain this. Moses lived 120 years. The first 40 years, he was raised in Pharaoh's household, very rich, but then he got in trouble. The second 40 years, he had to get out of town and become his father-in-law's sheep herder. But then the last 40 years, God appears, and Moses becomes the leader of the chosen people, the Jews. So Moses' first two 40s are over. Now he's 80, and he begins his last 40 years of life as the leader of Israel. So here's the lesson I get from verse 1. Let God change your profession. I mean, after 40 years of keeping, his, keeping sheep, suddenly God changes his job. We need to be open to that. The Lord might want you to move to California. He might want you to totally change your job. Even at 80, he might ask you to do something you never thought of doing. So um, be open. Moses had a different job for each 40 years of his life. Verse 2. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Now, have you ever wondered why God appeared as a burning bush? Why didn't he appear as a beautiful rose bush or a fragrant lilac bush? Why does God appear as a burning bush? Well, here's the next lesson. God is a fire. I want to show you there are three kinds of fire in God. Let me read three verses and see if you can pick it out. The first kind of fire comes from Deuteronomy 4. Take heed to yourself, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God and make a graven image. For the Lord your God is a devouring fire, a jealous God. The first kind of fire in God, a fire of jealousy. Now, 
somebody would say, well, yeah, but jealousy is a sin. Why is God being jealous? Jealousy is a sin for us humans because it's always mixed with all kinds of bitterness. But when God is jealous, it's a pure, holy jealousy. He just doesn't want you going after false gods. Why? Because he's an egomaniac? No, because he doesn't want you to get hurt. I remember a lady came up to me at a church I served in Florida, and she said, you know this thing about worshiping God and Him only? What, is God an egomaniac? I said, no. First of all, God deserves our worship only. Nobody else can say that. So it's not, it's not egomania coming out of God's mouth. But secondly, the reason He doesn't want you to worship false gods is it hurts you. There's a fire of jealousy in God. The second kind of fire in God comes from Deuteronomy 9. Know therefore this day that he who goes before you as a devouring fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. Second kind of fire in God, jealousy, but number two, he's a fire of destruction. God destroys his enemies. He destroyed the ancient Canaanite enemies. He destroyed Hitler in his bunker in Berlin. God destroys his enemies. And some people say, well, yeah, but that's the... Old Testament God. The New Testament God is so much nicer. No, no, no. The Old Testament and New Testament God are exactly the same, which leads to the third kind of fire of God. And this comes from the New Testament. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. The Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out vengeance to those who do not know God. The third fire of jealousy, fire of destruction, the third kind of fire in God, a fire of vengeance. All this means when God appears in a burning bush as a fire, God one day will take, at the second coming of Christ, he will take vengeance on all of his enemies. So, what's the point of all this? God appears as a fire because he's trying to point out he is not the marshmallow. I mean, every, people think God's a marshmallow. And, and here I saw a Christian woman trying to share the gospel with this guy. Do you believe God will judge me? God will never judge me. Who told you that? Well, because my God is eternal, unconditional love. And she said, who told you that? Yoga told me that, so let me have my beliefs. Yoga told him that? Our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 29, we are smart to fear God because he is a consuming fire. Verse 3. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Here's the next lesson. God is holy. The word holy literally means set apart, separate from. When I was a boy, I can remember mom dropping my brother and I off at the Astro Theater in Omaha, one of these huge palaces that's still there, one of these big old movie theaters. And for three hours, I watched Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. And it was a re-release. And for three hours as a 10-year-old, I saw this story of the burning bush, the Ten Commandments, the sea parting. I was kind of in awe. And I got a glimpse of the holiness of God 
through, the, through that movie. It did something to me. And Moses, take off the shoes from your feet. Not even the dirt from your feet can get near me because I am holy. Again, the word holy means separate, set apart from, different from. In other words, we ain't him. So Shirley MacLaine is giving a lecture uh, to a New Age group, and one woman asks her a question. Miss MacLaine, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And she said, why, certainly. I believe we are all Jesus Christ. Jesus perfected the God consciousness in him, and we too can perfect the God consciousness in us. No, surely, we aren't him. We never will be him. God is holy. He's separate from us. He's set apart from us. He's different from us. We aren't him. Uh, some of you have seen uh, Dr. Jack Van Impey on TV. I went to a conference years ago, and he said something that's still as true as it is today. Jack Van Empey said, there are three words America needs to hear more than any other three words. God is holy. We've lost that as a culture. And, and again, turn on TV and watch it for five minutes. Is there any doubt that when, oh my God, is the favorite swear word of Hollywood and of most, you know, I, I can't tell you how often I'm out and about and I hear somebody say, oh my God, and I'll stop and I'll pray for them. And I'm praying for those people a lot. I hear it all the time. We've lost the holiness of God. Verse 6. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, the Jews, who are in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings, their slavery under Pharaoh. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from, the land that, is, from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Here's the next lesson. God hates oppression. If you oppress people, God hates that. You're going to see right here on the screen below my hand here. <laughs> uh, if you want the International Christians Concern newsletter, there's the phone number. Call and get their newsletter. I get it every month. Let me tell you a story. Here is a Pakistani uh, teenage girl who uh, at work was being sexually advanced upon by a Muslim guy. Listen to the story. A, a teenage Pakistani Christian girl suffered severe burns on her chest, arms, and face after refusing the sexual advances of a Muslim man. Uh, she was sexually harassed at work where she, uh, and Gulnaz, that's the girl, slapped her attacker, a 35-year-old Muslim man, for his advances. Angrily, he told her she had two choices, become a Muslim and establish a relationship with him, or he would give her a memorable lesson. She refused to compromise her faith and said, the Lord will save me. The next day, Golnaz received her lesson as the man threw acid on her body and into her eyes. You can't see the picture, but she's horribly deformed for life now. And she said, I share with other Christians that you can be victimized, you can be tortured, and you can be the victim of acid, 
But stay strong in your faith because this is the preaching of God and God is present everywhere. And if we are trusting in God, he gives us the courage that we are facing this because of the name of Christ. This is the courage that I have and I'm ready to face all things. I'm not asking God to give me my eyes back. I'm asking for God to give me strength. God hates oppression. I, I want to encourage you to uh, Google persecution.org, get this free magazine every month, and pray for these poor people that are suffering, especially in the Muslim lands. God hates oppression, still does. Look at verse 10. Therefore come now, and I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Here's the next lesson. God uses people. God normally doesn't work in a vacuum, but notice what happens here. Back in verse 8, God says, I have come to deliver them. But here in verse 10, he says, Moses, I send you to deliver them. In other words, God normally works his marvelous plans on li in life through normal, everyday human people. And one more lesson on this. God uses old people. Moses was 80 when he started to serve the Lord. God uses old people. So if you're old, don't think your life's over. God has a purpose for you. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't think it's a sin to retire. But when you retire, Christian, find something to do for the glory of God. I heard one pastor say, what do these Christians do who retire, move to Florida, and do nothing the rest of the life but walk the beach collecting seashells. On Judgment Day, they're going to hold up their seashells and say, look, God, isn't this a nice seashell collection? <laughs> no, listen, I don't, no matter how old you are, find something to do to serve the Lord. That's why you're on earth. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Here's the next lesson. God uses humble people. Notice what Moses doesn't say. Good choice, God. I am a relative an eloquent speaker, aren't I? Good choice. He doesn't say that. He says, me? And then Jill Briscoe wrote a funny book called, Here Am I, Send Aaron. <laughs> and do you know why God used Moses so much? We find that out in Numbers 12 where it says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more humble than any man who is, was on the face of the earth. The more humble you are, the more the Lord will use you. Verse 12. And God said, Certainly I will be with you. And this will be the sign that you, that to you that is I who has sent you. When you have brought out the people of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Here's the next lesson, kind of a big one. God's promise to the servant is this, Moses is this, but I will be with you. You know, maybe God is asking you right now to do something very hard, and you're thinking, God, I can't do this, this is too much. God's response is, but I will be with you. Or God may be saying to you, I want you to share Christ with that certain person at work. God, I can't do that. He's so much smarter than I am. Who am I? God says, but I will be with you. Or Lord may be saying, I want you to apologize for what you said uh, to that person last week. But God, that'd be so humiliating. It'd be so hard, but I will be with you. Or uh, God may be saying to you, 
It's time for you to start tithing, giving 10% of your money to the Lord. Well, yeah, but well, how would I pay? Well, but I will be with you. Listen, for every but God that your flesh comes up with, you use uh, Exodus chapter uh, 3, verse 12 to say, but I will be with you. The way we get over our nerves and our doubt and our disobedience is trusting that God will give us the grace to obey him. And you pray for it. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Moses is maybe saying this, you know, look, God, all the Egyptian gods have names. Are you Baal, Asherah, the moon god, the falcon god, you know, Horus? Uh, uh, and remember, Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household. Moses is probably used to the Egyptian gods. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were 400 years before Moses, so maybe he doesn't even really know the true god quite yet. And so he wants to know, okay, what's your name? Which one of them are you? And here's God's wise response, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you. Now this was a strange answer. It would have made it, the Israelites and Moses stop. This God doesn't have a name. He just is. So here, here's the last lesson. The words I am who I am point to God's uniqueness. God is not just another God, he's it. He's the only God. And, and one final point from this today. Um, we learn a little bit who God is from the burning bush. The, the, the curtain goes up a little bit to show us who God is. But listen to what happens then when Jesus comes to earth. From John 8, verse 58, Jesus said to the Jews, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, which was 2000 B.C., I am. So they took up stones to throw at him. Did you catch that? Jesus is claiming to be the I am who I am of the Old Testament. If you want to know who God is, you look at the Old Testament and, and the curtain goes up a, while, a bit. But when God comes down to earth, becomes a human being, and walks among us for 33 years, his name is Jesus, if you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus, because Jesus is God in human flesh, and the curtain goes way up. Uh, th this is Just to review, this is called the Trinity. There's one God, but in God are three equal, eternal persons. God the Father who made us, the burning bush. God the Son who died on the cross, who also was in the burning bush. And God the Holy Spirit who comes into your life when you trust in Christ. So one God, but three equal and eternal persons, distinct persons. God the Father didn't die on the cross. God the Son died on the cross. They're different, but they're one. One God and three persons. And that doesn't become spelled out until the end of the New Testament. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his insights and his knowledge of Scripture to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, how can a person sense if God is telling them to change their job? Because mm -hmm. Moses' job was changed two or three times. And I, I think um, one time, the first time Moses' job was changed, he was kicked out of Pharaoh's household and had to run out of the country. Circumstances forced him to change his job. Often that's happening, especially in our economy. You don't have a choice. You're fired. And so circumstances can be one way God gets you to where he wants you. 
But the second time Moses changed job from being a shepherder to the, sh the leader of Israel, God actually talked to him. Now, so how, do, how does God talk to us today? Because most of us will not hear an, uh, an audible voice. And Jackie, you pray, and sometimes someone will talk to you, and it'll just seem so right. Sometimes you might have a dream. Uh, but there's all kinds of ways God talks. Mainly he talks to us through the Bible. That's why every Christian should read their Bible daily, I think. And mainly just there's all kinds of ways. Sometimes it can be difficult to determine is that the Lord or not, so you pray and you wait. I think sometimes God puts people in your life too who all of a sudden raise a question mm -hmm. that you've got to think that it came from yes. somebody besides that person. Amen. I agree. So I think you have to be careful about people too. Mm -hmm. So... Why do you think God wants us to worship just only him? He's, is he self-centered? Yeah. And I, again, I had a lady ask me that. You know, I am the Lord thy God. You shall worship me only, and me only shall you serve. And that sounds like an egomaniac, but not in the mouth of God. Jackie, if I said to you, you should worship me, Jackie, well, you'd say, what a nut. But when God says it, God is the only one who does deserve our worship. So for him to say it, it's not a sin or kooky. It's the truth. But the, a secondary reason God doesn't want us to worship other gods, other gods will kill us. A sin will kill us. Baal and Asherah, worship them, and you, you, they got into all kinds of sexual weirdness because those were sexual worship uh, cults that were going on. So we get hurt if we worship other than the true God. Okay, but Pastor Brock, we have so many weird things happening to religion today. Are those from God then? putting false prophets in front of us? Or? Well, you know, in the Old Testament, God does talk about allowing these false prophets to come among the Jews so he could test them to see if they will follow me or not. And I think America especially, we have so many strange religions today. Right. And the religions that used to be good are getting strange. I mean, mainline Protestantism is becoming a mess because of the liberalism. So um, I think God allows false teachers and false prophets and false bishops and pastors to, t to test people. Are they going to follow the Bible? or are they? I mean, Jackie, when I hear of a person in, their, in a church that says, well, my pastor says homosexuality is okay, and he's smarter than me, he's been to seminary, so he must be right. I'm thinking, would you read the Bible? Would you please put this before your pastor? You know. Aren't you, I, I think, too, we're seeing so many churches that have just, taking the Bible out of being a part of worship or yeah. anything. They don't read it. They right. don't study it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, we're turning... It's, it's called the United Church of Christ, and it's becoming the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Episcopal Church in America, and the Presbyterian Church USA. I'm not saying there aren't Christians or pastors that love the Lord in those denominations, but their leadership and those churches are going 180 degrees in the wrong direction. And we have so many churches that are turning into, like, you know, country club type things. They, they've lost yeah. track yeah. entirely of what yeah. a church when, is supposed to be. When I go to, to a be. church, Jackie, and the, pa the pastor is preaching heaven and hell, Jesus is the only way to be saved. You can't be saved by being good. It's only by the blood of Christ, his death on the cross. I, I delight in that. But so often I'll go to a church and I'll hear the sermon, and the main point of the sermon is, let's be nice. <laughs> well... What, that's kind of the next question I was going to ask you is, what are some of the evidences that America no longer views God as mm -hmm. holy? I can tell you, Jackie, when they started saying, oh, my God, on TV. It was the Mary Tyler Moore show in the uh, early 70s because Mary Tyler Moore used to start saying, oh, my God, and they never allowed it before. That's when it started. Now you hear, oh, my God, everywhere. 
and, and, and not just that, but GD this, Jesus being used as a swear word. You know, that's just one sign that we don't fear God. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the abortion, 56 million abortions since 1973 just in America. That's another sign we don't fear God. Yeah, it's kind Gay of marriage is another sign. Okay. You also said that God hates oppression. And I guess as Christians, what are some of the ways that we can support those persecuted Christians? Yeah. You uh, talked about the newsletter, but... Uh, uh, yeah, well, let me just say that one more time. If you don't get the International Christian Concern Newsletter, write this phone number down, 800-ICC-5441. I get it every month. Uh, and then, you know, I pray for these poor people. And then I, I give some of my money to the International Christians Concerned. So just prayer, awareness, and then give some money for it. Okay. You talked about... Christians retiring. Is it wrong for a Christian to retire? It's not wrong to retire from your job. It's, a raw, it's wrong to retire from life and from serving the Lord. I mean, there's some old women that can barely move, but they are prayer warriors, and their ministry is to pray. And those are the people I love to have pray for me. So, un, uh, Jackie, until you use your, lose your mind or your life, there's always something you can do to serve the Lord. I am concerned, I, and I pray for good. I hope that if and when I retire, I don't lay in a beach the rest of my life. That's a temptation for me. I like peace and quiet, but we need to be involved in the lives of others. We need to be serving the Lord in some way. I think some people, too, with especially I've seen it happen in some churches where because of early retirement now and that, people get more active and more alive yes. for the Lord because they have more time right. to do things right. in that. I mean. There's things that working five days a week you can't do right. that you could yeah. help your church yeah. with as being retired. Yeah, and I think of I think of some of the women of Hope Lutheran Church who who were serving the Lord at 90 and 91, 92, 93, working the funerals of our church. Yeah, and uh, God bless them. But then I think of other women that I mean I'm thinking of a relative of mine just did nothing for the Lord that I could see. Hmm. So. What does God's name, I am who I am, really mean? Because mm -hmm. you talk about the Trinity, so yep. maybe in one minute yeah. can you summarize that? <laughs> yeah, I am who I am. Yahweh in the Old Testament, they wouldn't even pronounce the name, uh, the Jews, because they thought it was so holy. Uh, and Jehovah comes from that, or Yahweh is probably pronounced Yahweh and not Jehovah. But it means I am who I am, which means I eternally am. I just always have been, I always will be. The era of Mormonism, Mormons don't believe God has always been God. They think God became God on another planet. And no, no, God is, the Bible says, from everlasting to everlasting, I am God. I and am. there a, is only one there's God. There's only Mormons one God. Mormons believe that you can become a God, Mormons right? believe in thousands of gods, and you can become a God if right. you're a Mormon. That's not the teaching of the New Testament. Okay, so very quickly, the Trinity, God. One, one God and three persons, Father who made us, the Son who died for us, the Holy Spirit who lives in believers. Not three gods, one God, but three distinct persons. Okay, you've seen pastorstudy.org. That's our website. We invite you to check that out. It's going to tell you what our ministry is all about, where we're going, where we hope to continue to go. Um, you can see our shows that we've done previously. So check it out, and we hope to see you next week at the Pastor Study. God bless you until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. 
You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.